Um, well, how do I start this off? I don't know. Welcome, guys, today. I have a guest I'm really excited about. This is my friend Paige. Let me do a great little introduction on my friend Paige, okay? (laughs) A saint, if there ever was one. This woman has helped me so much, and not only helped me, but helped other people. She's organized a Hot Hands charity for um, people who are homeless before. I think it was last winter, was it? Or was Mm -hmm. it the winter before that? Yeah. Um, She's organized that. She helped me. So when I was homeless, she would let me stay at her house once a week until the end. So at, like, the end... Um, she didn't stop helping me. She helped me even more. <laughs> You're cut <laughs> off. Yeah, until the very end, you, you were like, fuck you. No, she let me stay with her for like a month and a half until I was able to move into my apartment Um, towards like the last few months that I was homeless. And she made me dinner like every single night. It was amazing always. Um, Yeah, so that's Paige. Hello. I didn't know that you were going to make me cry within the first one minute and 49 seconds. Uh, <laughs> Don't cry. I thought maybe that would be like, I think that makes on. it. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, that is very kind. But yeah, I. Wait, hang on. I'm so sorry to interrupt you because I'm rude. Um, she also, I shouldn't just introduce her as that. She's also a dog mom and lots of other things, but she's also a saint. So there you go. You go. <laughs> Very, very kind. Yeah, we have known each other for a while. And um, yeah, we always have really great conversations. I'm excited to be here. You are never afraid to just like, talk about real things. And I think that's something I really appreciate about our friendship is just that um, we come from two really different places on a lot of things, but we can still have um, conversations that matter. And like, talk about things that other people aren't talking about and so yeah I'm happy to be here happy to be friends with you yeah you fill in a big gap for me in that area because it's hard to find people that you can do that with Mm -hmm. um and that's something that me as a person I specifically need I have to have deep conversations sometimes and there's not a lot of people that I know, and this may sound rude, there's not a lot of people that I know that are intelligent enough to dive into stuff like that. And I, maybe that's, like, mean of me, but a lot of people that I know are very, like, surface, so I really appreciate our friendship for that. Yeah, me too. I also think a lot of people just aren't willing to have conversations with people that they disagree with on anything meaningful, right? Like, we can disagree on, like, Captain Crunch versus Fruity Pebbles, but people won't disagree on like kind of bigger things and like don't get me wrong there are things that I won't disagree about too but you know but those are like human rights and human dignity and right of all people but then other people are like "Mm, like you voted for that person like I just cannot even have a conversation with you that matters and I'm just like "Um, yeah okay see and this is the thing (laughs) so Paige and I, oh, we probably vote mostly the same way. But oh, I yeah, think, I'm sure we do. Yeah, most of the, our differences come down to like existential differences. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah. Um, the Republicans won't talk to me because I didn't vote for Republicans. What kind of coffee did you make? Ooh, I made a uh, iced latte with vanilla. It's just very boring. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I really like a iced white mocha. Honestly, but that's really of... what I've been going for lately if yeah. I make coffee, so I feel you. It's just simple I love an iced and white it's mocha. easy. Yeah. Oh, plus it's like, it just hits a nostalgia for me because I would get it at Starbucks all the time and now I can make it at home. Um, See, I've been getting it at Starbucks. Now, I don't get it at Starbucks all the time because obviously Starbucks is pretty expensive, but I'm riding yeah. the bus again. And in the mornings, as it works out, I have to do, like, a bus transfer. So I ride, like, one bus, and then I have to, like, go to the – get off at this bus stop and wait for the other one to come. And there's, mm-hmm. like, a 30-minute layover, and there's a Starbucks right there. So every once in a while, like, go on and get me a little iced vanilla latte. Yeah. Or- I wish there was a Starbucks uh, – I like, there the Starbucks that is – by where I went to high school wasn't there when I went to high school and every time I pass it now I'm just like are you telling me that there's a Starbucks now there's a Starbucks getting... there now mm-hmm. no yeah. way well no because remember you and I didn't go to the same high school oh my god okay I it's probably the Starbucks you stop at <laughs> at your bus stop what behind the scenes the one by because I went to Glendale so, oh, okay. I think you're probably at your bus stop transfer getting Starbucks where I would have. No, yes. not the one on East Sunshine. It's the one on okay. South Glenstone is where I Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but. But yeah, so I get the one, like, the one on East Sunshine would have been, like, on my way to school in high school. And I'm just like, I'd have freaking Smoothie King instead of Starbucks. There's a smoothie. There used to be a smoothie king there because there's not one there now. There used to be a there. smoothie king on Battlefield, close to uh, like Battlefield and Ingram Mill. Oh, okay. Ugh. And I would get a peach smoothie instead. But I'm a peach smoothie girl. I feel that. Okay. Peach smoothie is not a white mocha, though. Well, we, if we're talking smoothies, I'm very much either a peach or a mango girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. I love. I feel like those are like basic. Maybe everyone is like that. Maybe we're just basic. That could be. Yeah. That could be. (laughs) That I. That is always an option. I do love my pumpkin spice, and people can make fun of that. And I just sit there, and I will receive that, and I will say, "I'm sorry that you're unhappy with your life, but this brings me joy." See, I'm not a huge pumpkin spice person, but I do like pumpkin in the fall, and I did want to at least try because I had never tried anything pumpkin spice at like Starbucks before mm-hmm. I think last fall I at least wanted to try the, like their pumpkin spice frappe that they had came up with mm, every yeah. time that I I probably tried to go in there like three different times to try to get it and every time they would tell me that they were out so I never got to try oh, hate that for you here's a pro tip though do mm-hmm. half white mocha half pumpkin spice oh is it better it's my favorite because okay. the pumpkin spice isn't pumpkin. So if you're drinking a pumpkin spice thinking it's going to taste like a pumpkin pie or a pumpkin muffin, it's that not. simply isn't the experience you're going to enjoy. Okay. <laughs> it is spicy. So it's like the spices that you would put in a pumpkin pie. It's like the cinnamon and the nutmeg. It's, it's more See, of like. See, I like that. I wanted that. Yeah. But that's I what I like about too. it. Yeah, I like half and half because it, for some reason, for me, just tastes a little bit smoother. But I will drink either. I will drink a white mocha. 
it probably actually tastes like a pumpkin pie with like whipped cream on top if you're gonna do that probably yeah probably yeah but it doesn't just taste like pumpkin so there are other coffee shops that are like we're gonna do a real pumpkin pie latte and it'll have oh my god fuck me you know what i did end up trying though this last fall Fucking what a blizzard Oh, but, the Andes you know, one? Andes, their pumpkin. <laughs> Have yes. you tried that? that it's so amazing. good. Yeah. It's a slice, for anybody who doesn't know, they put a, a whole slice of pumpkin pie inside oh. of a custard concrete. And they it's like a, a literal whole slice of pumpkin pie. You can watch it's them so do funny. it if you yeah. don't believe it. You don't it. want to eat anything else for the rest of the week. Right. If you're like a conspiracy theorist and you're like, I don't think they put a real slice of pumpkin pie, you can watch them do it. It is a yeah. slice of pumpkin pie. And you get, like, you get bits of crust, everything. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, so the amazing. crust, too. Like, a whole slice. Yeah, I had at least it's, it's three so of good. those this, this like, fall to winter when it was already, like, freezing outside. Yeah. yeah. Ugh, so good, good choice. Good yeah. choice. I, I like the one that they've had put Thin Mints in, too, because I, I forget tried, what it's called. I didn't try that one, because every time I would go there, I'd be like, I need to get something else besides the pumpkin concrete. And every time I just would order that. So, well, I think it's seasonal. Like, I think it comes out in the spring or something. And maybe it's just on the menu now. I don't go a ton. Yeah, it might be seasonal or not. I don't remember. It used to be seasonal. Like, it started out as a seasonal thing. Mm. And I would get marshmallow fluff uh, inside of mine because this brings me to my next topic of conversation. How do you feel about the Girl Scout cookie thing? Because I went to Walmart today. Yeah. And I ignore them. I, like, ignore anybody that tries to sell me anything. And uh-huh. at this point, I don't know why they just don't put it online. Like, why don't they just make a website? Well, they do. Oh. You can just get them shipped to you. So what's the uh-huh. point of them selling them right there? Because I'm of two minds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have conflicted thoughts and feelings in my heart. Number one, I'll go with my spicy takes first. It feels like we're just training those girls to be in multi-level marketing companies. Oh, okay. To me, right? If I'm being my most spicy self, it's like, well, and I'm is not this person like... going to try and sell me Young Living in 15 years? <laughs> well, also, it's like... I don't like people that try to sell me anything that I'm not already trying to buy. Right. And yeah. maybe that's different. Maybe that's like something that's been shifting in our culture over the last 50 years because I feel like previously a door-to-door salesman thing was more or less still expe- like accepted. Like except for remember- adults and kids. And for yeah. kids cuz we would we would go door-to-door with cookie dough. We would go door-to-door with home interior candles that smelled like cucumber melon. We would go door to door with, um, like just asking for money for St. Jude. I remember growing up, we bought a vacuum that way. They used to go door to door with those yeah. fucking like vacuums that still had the water in them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anymore, like, I don't know why there is a need for that since we have the ability to do things online. Because even if it was just about building like salesperson skills or whatever, People have the ability to do that online now, especially kids, and that would even prepare them better for the future. Like, this isn't just, like, me having an asshole take. Yeah. Because if you're, 
looking for like a career in something like that, making like a website or like a YouTube channel for them would almost be better. Mm-hmm. I don't know I'm if this is better. true across the country. Because there are like two or three different kinds of Girl Scout franchises. So that's how you have it's a whole some franchise parts of the country. Yeah. I don't know if they would use the word franchise, but that's how I understand it. That it's like separate entities that run it. That's how they have um I mean, I'll be honest, I am not an expert on the inner workings of the Girl Scouts TM, but I do know that there are some parts of the country that still sell cookies that are called Samoas or Samosas or whatever they're called. Like the, that they discontinued, but they discontinued that on the other side of the country and they're called Caramel Delights. Why did it, why did it change? Is it because of the name like Samoa? Like was it derogatory yeah. or something? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Just that like maybe we shouldn't have okay. cookies that resemble uh, <laughs> ethnic people groups when we're little white girls selling cookies door to door. I think they thought it was just a bad look, which I don't disagree with. I'm very pro name changing when your name might be problematic. What do the um, Girl Scouts even do? <laughs> like, what are they, um, do they still teach kids like survival skills or something? Or is I it like... do think that that is true I think that has always been more of a, a boy thing like a boy scout thing than a girl scout thing shouldn't um, it just be the scouts at this point I think so but there's a big division about that because of children who are gender non-conforming and the boy scouts are very against um it just being the scouts oh but I don't know if like you Christian thing I don't know, but here's what I think of every time I think of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, and I know that this is a very niche particular set of content, but do you remember Missionettes from oh my God. Pits of Hell? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do. Li- literally. So every time I think of the Boy well, Scouts and Girl Scouts, you should probably I just... explain what Missionettes was, and you'd probably be better at that than me. <laughs> the Assemblies of God Church that had... Uh, Royal Rangers and Missionettes. They're called something different now because I apparently uh, being a ranger for God, it wasn't a good vibe either. And so um, they had different like age groups and you would get different badges for different activities, like very, 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 very close to what boys and Girl Scouts would do. Um, only it was all about, it was Jesus. all about God. Yeah. Specifically <laughs> and, Jesus, specifically that god sure yes jesus the jesus god and um they would but our particular uh, troop so to say of missionettes <laughs> didn't actually care if you did any of the things or learned any of the things so like i was literally taught see i don't remember much of this because i think you were pretty young you were, yeah, you were i was probably like younger seven than me yeah yeah and so we would have these big sleepovers and then we would go in front of the church and like get our, our patches on our sashes and we would have to recite Bible verses that none of us knew. And we were told like in the basement Sunday school class on our way up to say these verses in front of everybody on a Wednesday night. It's fine that you don't know it. Just say watermelon over and over again. Oh my God, I and you'll be fine. <laughs> You know who told me that. It's not even a surprise. And so. Wait, um, was it Sharice? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah. One. And then we all practice going watermelon, watermelon, <laughs> watermelon. And she's like, you've got to do it slow. You can't say watermelon. You've, you've got to really, you know, just drag that word out. And so, uh, I didn't learn a lot. Oh, I love that uh, she was training like everyone else to be just as manipulative. As <laughs> Instead of like teaching us the verses, she was teaching us how to say watermelon. Um, which really does make a lot of sense if anybody thinks about it. Um, and it was really just more of like a ripoff of Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. I think okay. with like a, a Christian charismatic flair. Okay. Um, charismatic so all... being an iffy word there. That's a... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that applies, but sure. I mean that like in the religious sense okay. where it's like the religious charismatic, you know, um, cause that church was, was very, Oh, charismatic. Charismatic. oh, you're talking about like theologically charismatic. The- theologically know, charismatic. For people yeah. who don't know, char- charismatic, like theologically, is like when it comes to like they're talking about gifts of the spirit, like speaking in tongues, things like healing, that. fall. Yeah. You know, you, you get touched by a pastor, and for some reason, you just fall on the ground. And, and that I don't is really fine. like. There, as I've grown older, and we've kind of, like, shifted in this conversation a bit, because I don't know what your original point was, but this just reminded me of something. Speaking of, like, charismatic theology, I guess. I don't really like to make fun of a lot of people in that sense, because I understand it as I've researched it a little bit more. A lot of it's, like, the fault of group psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, and also, like, mental illnesses that are undiagnosed but I remember Toby my father when we were going to that church he used to tell me that he felt like he would have like prophetic dreams he would tell me about his prophetic dreams in detail that Mm. he would dream about himself healing somebody in a wheelchair and he was like I think that's gonna happen and I remember being a kid and just being like yeah (laughs) (laughs) like sincerely like oh my gosh yeah okay yeah yeah I you know I don't I also don't fault people who because I understand like the psychology and sociology behind all that behind how those beliefs probably do to some extent quote-unquote help the individual's who are participating in those groups, right? So, like, you feel, in some ways, some of the most manipulative things that you can make a person feel, right? That they're, like, connected to God, to the divine, however, you know, because there are charismatic beliefs across multiple religions. It isn't just Christianity. And this is another thing, too, where that can also hinder people, because I think those environments mm-hmm. have hindered people like my dad and my stepmother because yes. it almost puts them in a place where they feel that they're superior. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I almost burped. It was like kind of one of those burps <laughs> that I don't know how to explain it. It happens sometimes. Um, it does. It does happen sometimes. He, where they would feel like they were superior and so mm-hmm. they're having dreams about how they're going to be the one to heal people. You know what I'm saying? They're right. Yeah. It's, I am going to do this thing. 
and that's that why you put like help in quotes yeah <laughs> quote unquote reinforces help. <laughs> their belief about themselves and mm-hmm. I think that that contributed significantly to the way that they treated us yeah so I think it can yeah. be yeah it can definitely be a hindrance have you watched that documentary on YouTube um about like this particular type of stuff especially in like children's church which which documentary i, I have can't seen remember some, but i don't know which one you're talking about i Are haven't there... watched one on youtube so if it's only on youtube then i probably haven't seen it i'm not sure if it's anywhere else i remember watching it on youtube a few years ago and it was mm-hmm. basically um similar it was just pointing out like the group psychology because i remember you have also talked about this you because i think we're two we're two people that are very similar in certain ways and very different in certain ways you and I have never been affected by that so we thought that there was something wrong with us in church when we weren't crying or falling down or you know what I'm saying oh it caused me so much distress because and I don't want to I used to say that like ever I didn't understand that everybody else was faking it and I don't like to say it that way anymore Because I do think that for at least a small portion of those people, they thought they were having legitimate experiences, right? So I'm trying to incorporate a little bit more care in how I have that conversation. I don't always, but I mean, I would go to church camps in that church and I would, I mean, like, I had some of my most traumatizing experiences inside of church camps. Well, and, and now, you do that on I, purpose. So you've heard yeah. about like the whole like cry night thing. Yeah. And how that was they every like, night. specifically, <laughs> well, well, they specifically will play. Oh, no, music I know I am getting and... upset that somebody is outside. My dog is barking. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Oh, you <laughs> know, you're fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. People are outside sometimes and the dogs hate it. Hates it. Hates people yeah. outside our house. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh, what I was I'm saying. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Um, what I was saying is they will play music in like specific, I guess, uh, what would it be? I lost the word for it. Uh, specific keys, right? They use like specific cry keys. Well, not even that, but like specific orders to manipulate people into oh, yeah. those feelings, like whatever mm-hmm. songs that they're playing. Oh, yeah, an exciting one up front, and then, like, a more mellow one, and then really emotional ones towards the end. And kids kids cannot process that or point that out. I mean, I couldn't even point that out until I started doing more research into Mm -hmm. why these things affect people. And that was something that really happened on my, like, intellectual journey to the belief system that I have now Mm -hmm. is I went back and I said, okay, well, why did, like, this make me feel this way? Mm-hmm. When I believed it was like the Holy Spirit, quote unquote, I did a lot of like <laughs> yeah. research into right. that. Like I thought this was freaking God. God yeah. damn. What? Yeah. So I- <sighs> into that. Now, yeah. um, Paige is still a Christian, but in a different way. I don't know if you want to explain. Different. Yeah. I don't know if you want to explain that. <laughs> yeah. So I, um. As a kid, I mean, I was in really charismatic churches. I was in churches where I would go to church camp and it was normal to like not leave the sanctuary at night until you had had some sort of encounter with the spirit. Oh my God. And they would want you to like rededicate your life like every Sunday. Every night. 
every time you're at church, you're saved again, because maybe you weren't saved the last time. And then maybe that means you're going to hell. And I mean, I, I wish I could joke about this part, but like that really caused a lot of psychological damage for me because my parents aren't Christians. I had a single mom. She's not a Christian still to this day. Like I was being brought to church by friends and family members and I wanted to go, like, I wanted to have friends. I wanted to have that community. And then once I started hearing that, like, if I'm not a part of that community, I could like suffer forever. And I'm hearing this as like a seven-year-old, then sure as shit, I want to stay in that community. Like, and to a degree, to a degree, that is almost true what they're saying, because I've experienced this when I came out as an atheist many people that I was friends with inside of that environment completely cut me off. Family members, mm-hmm. like, included, mm-hmm. just completely yeah. turned in the way that they looked at me. And it's really hard to build up that community back up in your life because you need people in your life to survive as a human, apparently. And That's really- what they say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> um, that's been really hard for me to like get a grip on after leaving that. So it's almost like a dog yeah. and pony show if you're raised in that environment. But it's it the can... toxic theology that causes that result, right? Because yeah. it literally doesn't have to be that way. Right. But because you dehumanize people who are outside of your group as literally not loved and cared for by God past a certain point when they die, right? Because that theology says like, well, God loves you here and now until you don't choose him here and now. And then he tortures you forever. And that is right and good. Right. And the psychological damage and just like dehumanization and desensitization to awful things that that causes you to believe about the world and to believe about fellow humans, like that damages your psyche as a person who believes those things. And it causes you to to be fearful of people who leave because they left what if they cause me to leave and then that is just like not only are they going to go to hell forever but now I might go to hell forever because a lot of the more a lot of times the more kind of woo woo you get in Christianity where you have like all of these miraculous quote-unquote works of the Holy Spirit you also don't have the theology like maybe a Southern Baptist would that says, well, once you're saved, you're saved and you're fine. Inside of those really charismatic churches, they really do teach you that you can lose your salvation and you don't ever know if you're really saved or not. And yeah, it I develops think that's a lot of up. anxiety. It's it, it. I, until, until like my twenties, I had the worst hell anxiety. Like, I mean, I just have anxiety period mm-hmm. point blank, but like, I really think it was that, that, lack of being able to have that security Mm -hmm. in my childhood because from a very young age I mean like I'm in like young and that's another thing that's another thing too Paige is because it almost preys on people that don't have security at home yeah because you're looking for that security and once you find Mm -hmm. it now you're just as terrified of losing it but I didn't actually have it because I could lose it at any point in time and that isn't security, but it, but it feels like the only kind of security that existed, right? Like I didn't know any other kind. So I didn't necessarily have it at home, even like, I mean, I had grandparents at that time who were like wonderful and loving, but they weren't Christians. Like they had had their fill of it and they were like, I think that's awful. 
but they weren't against me going. <laughs> they were like, well, you know, if she wants to go, like, she, my, my family was pretty open to, like, letting me do what I wanted to do religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I'm glad that that is true. But in the meantime, that did mean that at a really young age, I had a lot of trauma that I couldn't control and didn't know that I was uh, putting myself into. And my mom also had no idea what was going on because we didn't talk about church, right? It's like, if I had told her any of the things they were teaching me, she probably would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? We're not letting you do this. That's really interesting (laughs) that that was your experience because I had the opposite experience where this was something that was mandatory. Right. So... I don't know how much you feel that that's, like, helped you in any way, that it was helpful, that it was your choice. For me, personally, the fact that I look back and that it was something that was required of me, Mm -hmm. it almost makes it worse. Because when I think about, like, the damage that it was, that was done psychologically, like, and... That's only, like, a piece of the pie, the damage that was done to me <laughs> psychologically. But mm-hmm. when I look back and I realize, like, that's another thing that was put on me that wasn't, like, my fault that I went through that, it right. almost makes me resent it more. And so that's probably why I have more of a, oh, a negative view of people in those circles now, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to have negative views of people in those circles for lots of reasons. Like, I just want to be really clear about that. I think the church has done a lot of harm to a lot of people. Christians have done a lot of harm to a lot of people. Um, and I think to go back to your question, like, well, how has that changed for me now? Yeah. Um, I started to realize that that because I really bought into it like I did not want to go to hell I thought that was like a real thing that really could happen I was scared every night before I would go to sleep my mom was also a police officer and so that means that like I knew that bad things happened to kids (laughs) I knew that like people got kidnapped people got killed people you know got assaulted like I I knew about all of the bad things that can happen to people and so I was terrified of dying I was terrified of going to hell on accident. <laughs> I was, because that's what it would be, right? Like, cause right. I'm trying so hard, but like, I didn't, I never had that mystical, magical feeling that everybody else was having. I never spoke in tongues. I never had any sort of charismatic moments. Right. And so in the back of my head, I was like, does that mean I'm not really a Christian? And then sometimes it was just explicitly told to me that that means I might not be a Christian. And when then some of it could even be like, And this is something that I think personally, when I look back at my dad, as I've grown older, I think that he does have some mental health issues that could possibly Mm -hmm. need to be addressed. And I'm not just talking about, I agree. I'm not just talking about like the narcissism. I think there is a chance because this is a story that, um, my aunt told me the first time she ever smoked weed was with my dad, apparently. And I guess he smoked when I was very little. And she said the first time she smoked with him, he would start speaking in tongues. And I've, like, done some more research into, like, cannabis and marijuana and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. people that have underlying mental illnesses can be affected by that more. It depends Mm -hmm. on, like, because I 
basically the way that it reacts to the chemicals in your body and like sends messages back to like certain receptors mm-hmm. if you have like an underlying psychotic disorder it can enhance that and mm-hmm. i always wondered if possibly he could have some type of like schizoaffective disorder looking back mm-hmm. um because of how much he did like speak in tongues around the house and like he would do that shit like around our house at home he would like just mm-hmm. go into the basement and speak in tongues for hours mm-hmm. and i almost wonder if there is something there especially now since i've not only been dealing because obviously my mom was schizophrenic and she was diagnosed but mm-hmm. i've been dealing with certain like psychosis symptoms for the last couple years and I look back at now and I'm like, I wonder if that's actually like on both sides of my family. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I don't know where I was, where we were at and where. Oh, just the speaking in tongues thing in general. Just like, I, I do agree with you that for a lot of people that is there just like a thing. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is more mental health than Holy Spirit, perhaps. Um, But so, like, I was even explicitly told that, like, if I didn't have these kinds of miraculous things happen, that, like, I might not even be a Christian. And so just there's no security in that. And I was, like, constantly, like, terrified of God. And then I went into more, like, Baptist circles, which, for people who don't know, they think that most of what charismatic people do is wrong and sinful and that they're probably all going to hell. And so I was like, well, I had a really traumatic experience with those people. So it makes sense that they would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But then, which wasn't a wrong instinct at first, but then I followed that up with, so these people must be right. And I was still a teenager. So like noggin, not fully developed, right? Like brain is still just a bunch of scrambled eggs. And Um, so then, you know, I kind of went to like the totally other side of conservative Christianity where I also believed God was a monster, but for totally different reasons. And all of that just kind of started to fall apart in college when I was asking some questions because I was so bought in, like, I didn't want to go to hell. I like really believed these people. And it's funny hearing my husband talk about these things now because when he would come in contact with a lot of this like really harmful theology, he just knew it was bullshit. He was just like, that doesn't sound right. See, and I've had the opposite experience (laughs) where for me, I had to go through like every different phase of theology when I was still a Christian, I felt. And I had to decide whether or not that was true by like living it out for a bit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And he just, he was just like, "Mm, that seems, that seems, that seems bad. the way that I grew up and I think and I don't want to like speak on this experience because I know that this is like her personal experience but I think something that Stephanie and I have like had an agreement in regards to is that the way that we grew up we really had a difficult time finding like our moral compass and that's something that we're still finding in our 20s because you're taught that like nobody except for this particular version of Christian even has a moral compass yeah well not even and not that, only but, a moral compass but like that they're evil and depraved and probably demon possessed well <laughs> well then I think I think it was in in married to that was the fact that we would also go home 
and I felt like everything that was happening was there was like evil and I didn't ever get like a real sense of what is good and I'm not saying that they're particularly like evil within themselves I just think that when I looked around as a kid I knew that this was wrong too so I just didn't know what to think about anything yeah so for me I mean I really did believe what I was taught especially after having such a traumatic experience inside of charismatic churches and then going to like an opposite kind of set of churches and being told that like well yeah of course you had a traumatic experience because those people aren't actually following God and none of those things that were happening were real you know so they just had a really nice narrative for me (laughs) about the trauma that I had been through and so I was like well if like it just made sense to me because I was in such a place of being traumatized and they were telling me opposite things, but similar enough that it still felt safe. And so I like, I just bought in and I mean, I was listening to just awful people who I would never let them like pay for my coffee in line in front of me at this point in my life. Like (laughs) I don't want to profit off of your blood money. Uh, Thank you, though, <laughs> for the offer. Um, and, but then I just started like asking questions that weren't allowed, which I had always done. Mm-hmm. But once you transition into being an adult, those questions start to get a little bit more dangerous for the people that you're asking them to because they can't control you with being a kid anymore. Right. And so I would start to ask these things and I'd be like, okay, I understand that you say that like women can't be pastors but what about all these women who are pastors and what about all these things inside of the bible that indicate that that might be fine and then I was literally told in college like the fact that you can read scripture and think it's okay for a woman to preach and teach and be a pastor is further proof that women can't read the bible and understand it and teach it oh and so then like so you hear that and you're like well shit like I don't think I was god Okay. I can't believe somebody said that to you. Oh, yeah. We're still friends on Facebook. And he oh. still says some really feisty things sometimes. Um, I bet that's fun. Well, it's more of like a, I just want to see the dumpster fire at. that is your life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> more than I, like, want to be friends with you on Facebook. Like, I just want to be able to keep tabs, you know? Um, that's a lot of my Facebook, frankly, is people I just want to keep tabs on. <laughs> I'm one uh, of those people. I feel well, like no, I'm, I'm friends with you because I'm your friend. <laughs> <laughs> I feel no, like it's a good idea friends. to keep tabs. I feel like it's also a good idea to keep tabs on me. <laughs> just to check in and see where I'm at. But for very different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, just these things that I was finding out, I was like, so your framework literally doesn't work because you're just picking and choosing. So like for, I, I could say so much about this, but in all of these different areas, I started to see where like the, the, the theology that they were saying to me and how it was applied in real people's lives just didn't match. I mean, we can okay. see that just with like how, how for some God forsaken reason, the youth pastor that I had that, just assaulted a former student in one of the most grotesque ways that I've ever heard of. I still have people to this day who tell me that he's a really good and godly person who just did a bad thing. But then 
my best friend who got pregnant in high school and got kicked out of our high school uh, youth group, mm-hmm. like that grace didn't extend to her. Right. So oh. he is in federal prison and grace extends to him. And she still is like ostracized from those groups of people now by choice, but you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. just ways that like, and of course that's an extreme example, but I think it's also an important example. Like there's always grace for men who do atrocious, awful things that are just so clearly in my view and in the explicit of teaching that, of those churches. <laughs> part of that is extends beyond the church and is part yeah. of the culture of this nation, though. But the culture of this nation also stems a lot from Christianity and the kind of, like, yeah, true colonization and patriarchal, frankly, slaveholder religion that is American evangelicalism. Right. Yeah, that's true, too. And, like, I don't think you can entirely separate them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do think that it's kind of this crucible. I have a little bit of a different view on that. Not to say that I entirely think that it is separated, but while a lot of, like, the founding fathers did believe in God, not many of them were Christian. In fact, some mm-hmm. of them even said that they thought the whole Jesus thing was silly. Yeah, and so I don't. Think I'm not necessarily talking about them. that way, but I can see yeah. where that is something that's ingrained in this society. But like the Puritans, yeah, were so like I don't. Our founding fathers are not necessarily who I'm talking about. And let me be clear about this: I think without Christianity, there would still be patriarchy and hierarchy and racism and all the things so like because that was ingrained in them already yeah so I'm not saying that like it's only Christianity but there are a lot of like books and and documentaries and things that trace this really interestingly about how not necessarily in the founding fathers but in like the Puritans and in a lot of people who came here for religious freedom for themselves but not religious freedom in general right so it's like I want to be here so that I can practice this new religion and force everybody else to also practice this religion and then we call that religious freedom which seems like a like a good marketing tactic for oppressors um (laughs) like it's freedom except it's literally not okay well and Um, that's like the whole nation at this point though like a lot and that's still the way that it is today um, yeah, John MacArthur give, said that. Yeah, they want to give everyone freedom to do everything that they want them to do. Yeah. That's basically I what mean, it is. One of the most popular evangelical leaders in the country a couple weeks ago literally said that it would be sinful to for Christians to actually be pro-freedom of religion. They're pro He literally said we're pro-American Christianity. John MacArthur. No way. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's on my, I, I'm pretty sure I put it on my TikTok when I found it. But if not, I definitely put it on my Instagram. I can dig it out of the archives if it's not on my TikTok. But he literally said that, like, and I'm, I mean, he's, it's just an exact quote. I don't have his words memorized. So I try and forget them. But this one just <laughs> stuck in there, you know, because it was totally But he was just like, it would be wrong for us to be pro-religious freedom. We're pro 
Christianity. Like we want America to be a Christian nation. We are not pro freedom of religion. And I was like, That's thank crazy. you for at least saying it. Like you're at least right saying it now. Yeah. You're at least saying those words now. Because for so long we've been like, aren't you pro freedom of religion? And he finally just said it. He's like, because that's because he, he, John MacArthur is one of the people who throughout COVID have been using, um, I mean, he won in the Supreme Court for freedom of religion during COVID to like not have to do the COVID restrictions in California. And he like won some of those lawsuits over freedom see, of religion. That is what I don't understand <laughs> because how? Because where in the Bible does it say you shouldn't wear a mask? Well, that case is quite complicated and specific with how it played out in the courts. And I would have to look up a couple of details, but so I'm not going to speak for exactly how it Or was it about because like the gathering mandates more so than it like was more sp- about the gathering. Okay. Um, it was more about like not being able to gather. And it was a, a lot about in my but I'm sure they also did not wear masks as was the case at James River right <laughs> right but James River also wasn't mandated to wear masks they weren't which is no they weren't which now, I James could River, talk about for hours James River they, was they're also in Springfield though they're not just they're not South. inside of city limits None of their campuses are inside of any city limits. All of their campuses oh, are in county territory. Every one of their campuses are in a county, not inside of technical city okay, limits. So none of their explain. campuses ever had mask mandates, which me, I could let rage me break about. In, let me break in and explain mm. the James River situation. Mm. It's like a mega church here, but it's split into like four different campuses. One campus has the actual preacher there the other campuses if you go to them you just sit watch him on a screen and there's like probably a hundred thousand people or more that go to this church Mm -hmm. every single sunday Mm -hmm. and he also still has he also still has mark and grace driscoll doing um marriage conferences in the year of our lord 2022 so like fucking garbage humans over there what are marriage conferences um, well, it's just like a night where you go and you hear, uh, quote unquote, biblical teaching from a really solid Bible teacher, except that solid Bible teacher is Mark Driscoll and Grace Driscoll, who literally preaches on stage that women should give their husbands blowjobs as evangelism. So I literally could care less what this man thinks or says at a marriage conference. Miss me with that bullshit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You- I tried to like. When I was, like, still struggling with my faith, I've tried to go to that church a couple times. Uh, And I've been there back – since I've been an atheist, I've been back there once or twice. And let me tell you, the culture shock for me after coming out of, like, a church scene, going back to a church like that, it really (laughs) almost scared me. The fucking – just amount of – it, it was like it was like viewing like a dental ad like just the amount of like uh-huh. cheesy fake smiles and it just uh-huh. felt like oh I hate evangelism I hate evangelism it but anyway just, like, <laughs> the fact that in 2020 
when the the winter searches were going on that all of their campuses had all of these like Christmas programs that weren't even about like God or the Bible or Jesus, but were just like jumping elves and fireworks from the stage and like giving away cars. It's it's the wildest thing. And they also back in the day yeah, it's would just like a money kick pit people out of like their this. churches. Well, yeah, they would literally back in the day kick people out of their churches who didn't tithe enough. Yeah. They would ask for um if you were a member and they thought that you were not tithing your 10%, they would they ask your for your W-2s. Yeah. Yep. And they would make sure you were tithing enough or they would kick you out of your church. And if that isn't the way that Jesus did things, I just don't know what is. Um, <laughs> and so, like, just all of these things really fell apart. And then I realized that, like, there are some traditions of Christians who actually think that like the work of Jesus is about freeing people from oppression, not colonizing the world, who think that um it's a Jesus it's a very about... controversial take. <laughs> <laughs> More so than I think I ever realized. Like, people on TikTok get really mad at me for saying these things, and then they'll, like, quote Bible verses at me, and I'm like, I've read that. I just read it very differently than you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so, and, like, a lot of this is from, like, Black churches. A lot of this is from, like, earlier Christians before, um, you know, Catholicism became the state religion in Rome. Um, that's really where we see a lot of reversal in Christianity coming from like a religion of oppressed people. <laughs> right. Like brown oppressed people. And then going to this religion of like dominance because it becomes like the religion of Rome. Um and it's so funny because I used to like tell people that like white people aren't in the Bible and then they're like, what? Definitely there are. And I'm like, well, the closest thing is the Romans and they're just not like the good guy in the story. And so, well, um... and this is a question that I had kind of when I was coming out of, cause like technically for my high school career, one year I did still go to public school in Galena. Mm. Sorry. And then the other couple of years I was homeschooled and I graduated a year early and I went to this gap year program in Branson called Link Year. And it's like yeah. through Kanakak. And I remember I was so jealous of you for going to that and then look at us now. Yeah. Well, I actually kind of ended up like well, I got an <laughs> ultimatum because I went there on a full scholarship because I had applied for their like scholarship program. Yeah. And I kind of like got into trouble at like the end of the six months. For well, like which was like the end of the first semester. I um was kind of like their example student for a while because I was doing my work really well but then Mm -hmm. I started to ask questions in particular like the thing that I didn't like about it was when we were going over the verses I believe they're in Matthew during the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is talking about like how the meek shall inherit the earth and is Mm -hmm. that where that's at okay I can't remember. Yeah, I believe so. It says something like that. Um, I 
but it like there are different versions of it but yeah yeah hang on i'm actually gonna pull it up because i think okay it's like blessed are the poor in spirit or yeah, the poor. Depending yeah, on your and they translation. were about they they were actually talking about how, um, the uh, religion was a religion for oppressed people, and I think <laughs> I really got under some people's skin there because a lot of the people that go to Link here, obviously, this is a gap year program partnered through John Brown University in Arkansas, and the tuition for this year is fourteen thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So obviously the people that are going there <laughs> they're so oppressed. Yeah, the people that are going there are first class. Like obviously yeah. I got there on a full ride scholarship. I didn't have to pay any type of tuition. But when we were going over that, they were basically talking about how this religion like is a religion for the small and the meek and I was like how are you saying that in a room full of like the you people basically well because they also think they're oppressed right because christians in america are so uh, uh, oppressed according to them and they literally believe it yeah that like the it's just so divorced from any sort of reality because to, for any of Jesus's words to not require anything of them, they have to figure out how to be the oppressed. Because so much, and like they twist this, right? So there are going to be people who listen to this and who are like, that's not what the Bible says at all, either because that's not what they were taught or because it was weaponized against them in a certain way. But like, Everything I'm saying is like things that Christians have historically believed throughout time, right? So this is not like anything that's crazy or fringe or new or progressive (laughs) because like a lot of, yeah, they have to figure out how to be the oppressed people group because if they aren't oppressed, then they're like the Romans in the story, basically. Right, exactly. They have to place themselves in the story as the character that Jesus is talking about that's oppressed because Jesus requires everyone else to give their money to the poor. So I have to figure out how I'm the poor one. So I don't actually have to do that. Or a lot of what Jesus and Paul talk about is like, whoever has more power or wealth or status or whatever, Mm -hmm. you give that away to the benefit of somebody who has less than you as a way of bringing down the person with all the power and bringing up the person without the power as a way of equalizing that dynamic. And of course, Christians. So like, and basically the exercise. So I like when I asked that, I remember I ruffled like a few feathers there. Right. And this was all like a teaching that they had on Matthew five. And they were basically trying to instruct people during that teaching how to navigate their lives to fit into those teachings. Because it's almost like the way that Jesus is talking, these are the type of people that are going to be saved. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers. 
those are the people that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. And uh-huh. they were basically like doing this teaching on it and trying to teach people how to be spirit. And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. who he's talking to, they're already there. Literally. Nobody yeah. there is having to try and figure out how to be poor. Right. They, they were just almost, already they were are. Treating, yeah, they were almost treating these like they were virtues. Yeah. No, and I've it, heard that too. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I've heard it. I've heard them preached as virtues. Yeah. And I've, I've had gone through entire series where there's a new quote unquote virtue per week where it's how can I be all of these things from this passage on the Sermon on the Mount instead of how can we help those people the way that Jesus talks in so many other areas of of scripture where he isn't talking to already poor and oppressed people but he's talking to already powerful and rich people right it's like what What, why do we have to fit ourselves well Well, I know why they do it but when I when I when I really like look at the attitude behind it it's very similar to me to culturally how Everybody wants to be a minority until it's time to be a minority. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. Where people are like wanting to fit into that narrative because they don't want to be the rich man. In like, in the context of like Bible stories, like, they don't want to be the oppressor Mm -hmm. until it's time to reap the benefits of being the oppressor. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot about what Jesus did was like, know better, do better. Yeah, whereas like he doesn't really condemn a lot of people who don't already understand their privilege, right? So like when he talks to the rich young ruler, he's talking to a person who has a lot of class, a lot of privilege, who may have even like oppressed people in his lives, right? Like, but and Jesus is like, give away everything you have and come follow me. Jesus isn't like you're condemned to the pits of hell forever. It's like do better, (laughs) like. Give away what you have to the poor and come follow me. Yeah, but they don't want to focus on that. No, not at all. But anyway, we don't focus on any of the passages that say that we have to give all of our money away to the poor. (laughs) They are all of that because they are the poor. So if you give all of your money to me because I am poor with my $14,000 per year tuition for my four children. (laughs) Yeah. um, We got off on a tangent, though, because we were speaking about how you discovered, like, your new, I guess, section yeah. of theology. Yeah. So all of this stuff just kind of started falling apart. And I realized that like, there are actually like really historic groups of Christians who see things very differently than white yeah. American evangelical Christians. I started really learning about how the roots of white American evangelical Christianity is very steeped in colonization and oppression and supremacy and hierarchy and patriarchy And that when those things are actually, I mean, like there are people who call it a slaveholder religion and I fully agree with them. Like David Bentley Hart has a whole series of, of things on how, you know, Christianity is American evangelical Christianity is a slaveholder religion. And I agree. And when you really actually divorce those aspects from evangelical Christianity, it just isn't evangelical Christianity anymore. (laughs) So Like, I just don't think it can be redeemed because when you take those pieces away, like, it just isn't that anymore. And so, like, those elements are so foundational to white American evangelicalism that they really can't even just be 
like parsed out and and redeemed like it is steeped in it (laughs) but then you have all of these other christians who are like read scripture very differently and you don't have to believe that like God is a monster that controls every aspect of everyone's life and that anything that happens is because God designed it to happen. You're kidding. You can, like, <laughs> it fucking blew my mind, friend. <laughs> like, just what? That counts as Christianity? And it's like, yeah, there are, like, fucking lots of Christians who've never believed that. And even just realizing how new a lot of those doctrines in evangelicalism are compared to global Christianity, I was like, wait a minute. Like, this particular view of hell is very new, and most Christians for most of time didn't believe that. Oh, wait, this version of (laughs) fill-in-the-blank is very new, and all of these other Christians didn't believe that until very recently? Fascinating. And so I just kind of started, like, digging into what does, like, a nonviolent, non-hierarchical Christianity look like where God actually is loving? And for me, a lot of people are like, but what if you're wrong? And God really is like these evangelicals say, Mm -hmm. and which I say that is actually very possible. It is entirely possible that I am wrong. Right. And also I am not willing to worship that God. It would wrong of me to do so. And that's kind (laughs) of where it goes back to, oh, what's this called? Um, it's basically the same thing that people spout to atheists, but there's actually a a term for it, but I can't remember what the actual I can't remember name either. Of it is. Um, but but it's I know what you're talking like, about. Yeah, it's basically like like what if God is real? I mean that is or and like you've wasted your life and you're going to hell. Right. Of all of the gods that I have researched, none of them am I personally willing to worship. Like even if even if like let's say the God of the Bible is real and I die and he stands there before me and is like, worship me or you're going to hell. I would certainly go to hell because I don't agree mm-hmm. with the slavery. I don't agree with the rape. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with, you know, things like that. I would, I would not worship. Mm-hmm. And so it's very similar. Pascal's See, Whereas I just, <laughs> yes, yes. Whereas I just don't think that God actually did any of those things. Yeah, no, and I definitely don't either, but I'm just saying yeah, from I just think that, that it's perspective. Like, we're so yeah, lucky. I think that there's stories about people who are, and we're talking about, like, some of the atrocities mm-hmm. that are atrocities that are depicted in the Old Testament. And if they're true stories at all, which it's debated that a lot of those genocide stories are even true right. based on history, but if they are true, they're atrocities. And they're, you know, potentially well, genocides, depending feel- on how they're depicted. And as you've come into, and I'll just like explain some things because, you know, we don't want this to be like a five hour long podcast because it could be, but probably oh, not. Wait, yeah, we could, we could talk <laughs> for that long. We'll probably have more in the future. And I would say like, we'll probably do this for another, if you're up for another hour, I'm good with another hour. But after that, I think yeah. I'm tapped out. But Sounds I will say a lot of what Paige believes, like she doesn't believe in hell or um, like she definitely believes in like a love gospel if I'm correct yes all about love that is actually loving like the love wins Rob Bell stuff oh yeah I love Rob Bell um do you like I was gonna ask though do you like Timothy Keller 
not a fan personally you're not a fan of tim i got into tim for a while and i still kind of even as an atheist i still kind of like tim in i respect aspects. him i respect him more than i respect other evangelicals i don't agree mm-hmm. with his theology I think that his theology is really interesting because the way that he interpreted a lot of scripture helped when I was still a Christian, I would say helped Mm -hmm. my personal development because Mm -hmm. he viewed things like when you're going back to like polygamy and you're looking at like the story of Abraham and his wives Mm -hmm. or did he just have one wife or did he have multiple? I can't remember. I, can't remember which one I don't I'm think he about. married anybody else, but he did have like Hagar where Sarah abused her when she was pregnant with, um, there, there were other people though in the old Testament that did have multiple wives and well, he, David. Yeah. Yeah. David, David had okay. lots of wives. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how a lot of people will use that example of polygamy in the Bible and will say like, and this is kind of how Tim Keller explained like the way that he reads the Bible. He said a lot of people use that example of polygamy to say, oh, polygamy is in the Bible, so polygamy is okay. But he's like, but look at what is happening in those situations. Everyone's unhappy. Mm-hmm. There's, it only breeds jealousy. He's like, I don't read it as this is permissible. I read it as a life lesson of how not to be because look at how much turmoil is in those relationships. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So in a lot of his aspects of theology, that's how he reads stories mm-hmm. in the Bible and interprets them. And I always liked that. I always thought that that was helpful to me. So I'm surprised that yeah. you don't like him. Is there a well, specific it's, reason? It's just that like, so if I were to have to pick an evangelical leader to like follow, he is, he is one of the best ones of the pack hands down where I am at in my life (laughs) his theology is not helpful for me because I've gone so much farther than he goes okay um whereas like he he still believes in hell like he still believes that people are going to hell no he doesn't Mm, I'm very interested to research that more you should you should listen to his talk on hell and not necessarily does he believe in a he doesn't believe in a physical hell but he does talk about hell but he believes very similarly to what um god i don't know why i just wanted to call him louis ck louis um (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely not louis ck c.s lewis C.S. Lewis, yeah. Always get those guys. The gates of hell are locked from the inside. Um, Yeah, where how hell is something that you almost choose for yourself. And it's almost like as if, like, let's say that you're living a life and you have an issue with, let's just pick out anger as an issue that you have during your life. Mm -hmm. Let's say over the 80 years or so that you live, you never do any work to refine that characteristic on yourself and it just festers and timothy keller kind of believes like that's something that he doesn't believe is necessarily an attribute of god obviously a lot of christians teach that there is like a purpose for like righteous anger but (laughs) when it gets down to it a lot of the actions that people do out of anger aren't necessarily good ones even from like an atheistic perspective that's something that you would want to work on 
for a good life. And Timothy kind of says, like, you may not notice much of a difference in that festering period in your life of your anger within, like, an 80-year lifetime. Maybe you just end up a grumpy old man. But think about, like, that you dying and your spirit living on and still having, like, that... I wouldn't, what would it be called? Like that I, negative attribute about yourself or that whatever is still festering for an eternity. Imagine like in that, in of that in itself, how much that is like hell. It's like a fire that burns within you that can't be put out. So he doesn't necessarily like, that's his theology on hell, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. For me, that is still not loving or kind enough. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Like, because he also very much believes that, like, apart from believing in Jesus, you you will go there. Like, he sees that as part of the choice. Okay, yeah, that's that is true. And I and even so, like for to... me that just isn't like I will not worship a God who sends other people to hell, whether or not it is their quote unquote choice or not, because of not knowing Jesus here on earth. And here is why, because I don't think we actually do have free will choices here on earth very often. If at Neither all. do I actually, this is something that we can agree on. I can't remember what it's called, but Sam Harris has a book on it and it's basically now we agree on the end result. We may not agree where it comes from, sure. but I don't necessarily believe in free will as much as I do in a sequence of like biological events. And how you can't really control, like, every, down to, like, even the thoughts you have, everything starts at a cellular level with neurons, like, firing. Well, and just your experiences, right? Because, like, contributing to that. There are things that are true of you and there are things that are done to you that mean that there are at least some things that you just literally cannot control by yourself. Right. But what I'm saying, too, on, like, that level, obviously, like, your experiences, how they manifest can affect Mm -hmm. everything on a cellular cellular level as well. But as Mm -hmm. that grows, even up to your thoughts, can you even think your own thoughts? Does that make sense? Because everything Mm -hmm. has been Mm -hmm. happening to you since the moment you got here. It's like, for me, a person who grows up in a religious home, experiences, you know, severe abuse and trauma and horrors and crimes from their Christian parents who then reject Jesus and reject God forever. I think God would say that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Not to hell with you forever. Right. Like why would those people choose God? And then of course evangelicals get all like, gosh, I've had so many people say this to me even this week where they're like, if you're, if a person can impact your relationship with God, then you just didn't really have a relationship with God. And I was like, people mm, impact first of all, relationships all bullshit. The time. Yeah, literally. It's like, do you understand how psychology and sociology work? Do you understand how living with other people works? Like what you do impacts me irrevocably. And that should be more serious for us, not writing it off. Because right. so many Christians take that to be like, well, if what bad, horrible, evil, Christians do impacts your faith with Jesus and your faith just isn't real and it's like well if that's what you think real faith is I want literally nothing to do with it right miss me with that 
<laughs> like, I only have expletives for you. <laughs> so for me, it's like, I just don't know that we do have the ability to choose here. And so that's where it really, I think if Timothy Keller took it one step further. You would agree. Or, or a few steps further. Yeah. Because like I said, I don't want He definitely um, encourages, like, at least a pluralistic view. Now, necessarily, does he believe that people who believe differently than him are going to heaven? Maybe not. But I think he leaves that more open. He's he's at least open to that possibility of divine grace that he admits he can't understand. Yeah, I've uh, watched. He's uh, more generous than other evangelicals. Like, I want to be really clear. He yeah, is, he is more generous. Like, I'm not saying he's not. For me, it still just doesn't go far enough. <laughs> see, and I've been listening to a lot of, and see, obviously, I don't, I can still have conversations about this because I used to believe, but I don't really believe in any of this stuff anymore, yeah. to be like, completely honest. But yeah. I still enjoy having the talks because it's almost comforting to me because that was something that was a part of my life for so long. Mm-hmm. Um. I've almost gotten to the point, though, where sort of as, like, the church, because you are seeing, because I still have a lot of friends like Paige or other friends that I grew up with or worked with when I was still in those circles that are still very much a part of that life. And I've seen you guys over the last few years as a lot of people have started to go through deconstruction. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but Uh it's happened. A lot of your theology or how you like view theology philosophy kind of like molded together has fallen into like a few different categories um and I was watching not watching I was listening to the podcast um oh the guy that left the guy that left the fucking the band that I told you about that podcast the the wonder and the mystery of being i can't remember yes, the guy's name. Uh, john steingard is that john steingard huh i i said is that his name because as yeah, soon as i said it name. i was like john oh steingard. dang it that's probably not his name <laughs> I, listened to his, I listened to every episode of his podcast last year and you know i've been an atheist for yeah. a few years now but i went ahead and did that he's still wrestling with what he believes at this point yeah. in his life he's he's kind of like staunch on the fact that he's pretty sure he doesn't believe in jesus but he still has guests on there that are pastors. And he mm-hmm. had um, one pastor on there one time. And he was talking about his theology has changed because now they are accepting the fact that a lot of what atheists have said, like a lot of the, I guess, philosophical arguments that we've presented, they don't have an answer for. So they are almost admitting defeat and accepting like, okay, like, here's the problem. I can't remember what the name of this argument is, but it's basically either God is all-knowing, but not all-powerful, either he's all-powerful, but not all-knowing, or, like, vice versa. Like, there's no, hmm. there, there, there's no in-between, because if God is all-knowing, then he <laughs> should be able to fix everything unless he's not all-powerful, or either he's all-powerful... And just can't do anything because he's not all knowing. And this, I'm giggling because I don't think he's either. Go ahead. Right, right. No, and and this is what the and this is what the pastor is saying. And this is what the pastor is saying is that they're basically admitting, 
yeah, we don't really think that he's either anymore. And I, mm-hmm. and from my perspective, I'm like, okay, then one, because this is something that atheists have said for a long time. How mm-hmm. do you st- distinguish, like, if you believe in something like that, how do you distinguish an advanced technology from what you're calling God? If you don't believe that that entity is all powerful, all knowing, how do you know mm-hmm. that that's not just a being that put us here or like almost created us like in a lab that may just be like a more advanced from a more advanced civilization Uh and two why would you worship that person if they're not all knowing and all powerful at that point Uh isn't it like a moot point you want me to answer are you gonna say what they said on the podcast okay no no that's what that was basically my whole point is that I listened to that podcast and I've heard like preachers and pastors yeah. now just admitting the fact that yeah atheists are right. <laughs> <laughs> no uh I agree I do think atheists are right about a lot of the downfalls and I just think that like so first and foremost I don't know anything right yeah. like I have no fucking clue what and is truthfully, ultimately like, who, real yeah and truthfully who does who knows anything nobody that's the right. whole thing and so it is a major red flag for me when absolutely anybody asserts that kind of certainty one way or the other frankly right with any sort of like this is for sure what happens this is for sure like any of that especially about these kinds of like does god exist or not like anybody who's gonna who's gonna really not that you can't have personal beliefs and you can't have intuitions you can't have hopes and you can't have all these things but when we're having a conversation and and you know you and i are sitting here and you're like well i think that you know God for sure doesn't exist. And I don't think I'm wrong about that. Or I, there's no possibility I'm wrong. And I'm like, well, God does exist. And there's no possibility I'm wrong. Like that conversation is not going to go anywhere. Right. And I think both of those arguments are not necessarily in good faith. So for me, it's like, is there a possibility that like, just literally nothing is out there and all of this is by chance. And there just is no divine nature of any sort. We just die and we die. There is nothing else. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's totally an option. And here's why I'm a Christian anyway. <laughs> okay, go because, for it. Because I genuinely think that if I live my life the way that Jesus calls us to, the way that we see in the scriptures, the way that we've seen some Christians work this out over time, I want my life to be about bringing freedom, help, care, to other people right I think that's really helped like just the fact that you just said that because I don't think we've ever specifically had this conversation just Mm. the fact that you just said that really helped in the way that I view you um Mm. and not to put you in a box or whatever but there is like um so a lot of people think that they can just be a flat-out agnostic and I'm not saying Mm. that that's not possible I'm just saying agnosticism and gnosticism are on a spectrum and yeah. you can be an agnostic theist, and you can be an agnostic atheist, you can be a Gnostic atheist or a Gnostic theist. Basically, mm-hmm. it's the level to which you assert that you know what you're doing is true. So I think this is why you and I get along, because from what I'm hearing from you, you are an agnostic theist, I am an agnostic atheist. Mm-hmm. So I think that we... And I honestly just part. think that anybody who isn't agnostic is just, dumb. <laughs> it, well, yeah. may, it's just like isn't employing critical thinking 
yeah. skills. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that, right? One of it, you know, it can be fear, it can be security. Like there are a lot of like core needs that are met and being certain about your worldview. And so I don't want to like disparage those people. Like if somebody is listening and they're like, I'm certain about my worldview, like I'm not trying to attack you, like yeah. live your life. But for me, anybody who cannot even present the opportunity that they might be wrong. That's usually how I say it. Like if you cannot even admit to me that you might be wrong, I don't know how you can have a good faith conversation because here's the fucking deal. I'm very sure I might be wrong (laughs) (laughs) about at least something very important about what, you know what I mean? Like I just don't have any presuppositions that I'm right. Right. What I'm doing is like, I still find beauty in what I see in the Christian scriptures that talks about do you think there is any possibility over the manifestation of the rest of your life that because I understand that it's almost like a sense uh, I can't say the word sentimentality I don't know what whatever the fuck I'm trying to say you get it <laughs> yeah um, that you would stick strictly to the Bible do you think that you'll ever pull from other places as like on along your journey as you grow as a person to help aid you with because you you want your life to be reflective of somebody that's helpful and loving and kind do you think that you Mm -hmm. would ever pull from other places for that or do you think that there is there a reason why you stick with biblical scripture yeah I think two things came up when you asked that for me One, I see a lot of Christians appropriating other religions, and I never want to do that. Okay, so you, okay, that makes sense. Like, for example, Messianic Christians, where they're, like, doing closed Jewish practices because they say Jesus did them. And they're, like, and, like, Jewish people find that incredibly offensive. (laughs) Okay. And they're, like, hey, Christians, fucking stop it. I will listen to it. Like, I will never do that. I will never host a Seder meal, right? I will not celebrate Purim with my children, right? Like, despite, if I'm being very honest, thinking that all of those things are so beautiful Mm -hmm. and even, like, perhaps wanting to participate in those things. Okay. If I'm being honest, there are a lot of those things that I find in ritual as just ultimately beautiful and, and good and holy Will I, as a white American Christian, be doing those things? No. Because I never want to appropriate. Because that is, in and of itself, me as this white Christian lady, that line between appropriation and oppression, I just don't feel good about how I can do those things. You, like, I just okay. don't know how to traverse that without stepping over the line, particularly because as Christian, like I was an evangelical, right? Like I was taught that like, essentially I was better than everybody else and anything that I wanted to do, I could do. Right. So like you're, you're, right. you're, you're conditioned into thinking that just like you can do whatever you want as a white person, as a Christian, like all of these things. And so I never want to cross that line into appropriation and some people might say well don't you take a little bit too cautious of a line yes probably and I choose to do that because I I do not ever 
want to step over that line into appropriating marginalized cultures and religions and doing closed practices. Um, so that's my first answer. So I, I just typically am just a little bit more cautious about that because I've heard people when they say, stop appropriating my closed religion. <laughs> um, so I just kind of just don't. Like, I just okay. don't even really get into that. And that might shift over my life for sure. Okay. But there's a ton that I find beautiful and good in other religions. It's just that I am really careful about what I do as a white Christian lady. Okay. And I, I don't know if that is a good or bad answer, but it is the true one. No, I mean, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I don't really think that there are any good or bad answers. I was just wondering yeah. if you had any, if you had even like thought about that yourself. I have, you know I, I have a lot. I mean, my, so my grandmother was Native American. Mm-hmm. Um but we don't know a lot about what that is. We don't even know like exactly what tribe, what tribe or anything, because that whenever we would ask, it's just like, Oh, well, yeah, she's Cherokee, but then they called every native person Cherokee. And so it's Which like, is really difficult when you are. So my mom was actually Cherokee. So. <laughs> Eastern just band. So, like I could say so much that would, we could talk about this for five hours in and of itself, but so I just don't know a lot about, she didn't know a lot about her own history for a lot of reasons. Yeah. White supremacy being one of them. Um, and so I have, I've really appreciated like people like Caitlin B. Curtis who are in like other native people. Um, there's a first nations, um, edition of the new Testament that's just like interpreting the new Testament through like people who are native Christians. And and so like all of these kinds of things. And, and I can see like, I can see deep beauty and truth in a lot of different religious traditions, Mm -hmm. like almost everyone I've ever heard of. (laughs) (laughs) I can sit there and say like, that is beautiful. And that is true. And that resonates with what is beautiful and true in me like my I can I can somehow feel that but I'm not practicing that personally right and and part of this is like you can't see me if you're listening to this but I am the whitest of white people my (laughs) color of foundation at Sephora I'm definitely gonna do I'm definitely going to do like a little promo video when I upload this so I can tag you if you'd like. Perfect. But I like my color foundation swatch at Sephora is a literal white sheet of paper. And so um, I just want to be very careful about how I inhabit the world because. And that's almost just goes back to like good stewardship of. Yeah. Where you I are. I just at. don't. I just don't want to be the white lady who is, who is culturally appropriating, even though like, you know, I have a native American grandmother, like I could explore that. And I want to, I've tried, I don't know if she's really Cherokee or not, because all of the white people that told me she was Cherokee call every native person Cherokee. And so it's like, I don't even know where to start with that. And so there are a lot of right. things that like, I feel. And there's like an element of it too, to where the Dawes rolls, like specifically the Cherokee nation, there was mm-hmm. like appropriation of that to where there is a history of white people having paid 
yes mm-hmm. to be to mm-hmm. be a part of that tribe as well and like it's easier for a lot of my like cousins to like dig in because they look very native mm-hmm. and so they can um and I'm not saying first let me just say I don't think looking native determines whether or not you're native and I don't mean to imply that so let me just be extra clear about that but they have like people will go up to them and initiate those kinds of conversations that they would never go up and initiate with me (laughs) right no I feel that's what I mean and so it's just like I don't feel like I do have a lot of connection there even though I would want to I think Um, I think so this is coming from somebody to where like I've had both on the spectrum. I've had people that as soon as they meet me, they ask me, what are you mixed with? And then I've had other people that just like assume I'm white. I don't mind either way. But what Mm -hmm. I'm saying is, and I don't know if I have much authority to speak on this, but when I found out, and this is something that I don't talk about because I feel like I don't talk about a lot about because I feel like people are like, yeah, whatever, like this didn't Mm -hmm. happen. But I literally got made fun of, like, when I was going to Galena in junior high, I literally got made fun of all the time because people told me I looked Mexican. And I had no idea that I actually did have, well, I mean, on my dad's side, technically, my great-grandma Ona was Native American, but she was Osage, and she didn't have, like, her papers. I'm just thinking about the hypocrisy of that when there were actual people who were, like, their literal parents were Mexican and they never got made fun of for those things, but go ahead. Well, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know Just that. the hypocrisy that if you're popular and you look Mexican, it's fine. But if you're not, it's something they make fun of you for it. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Well, I definitely wasn't Mexican, but I didn't even realize like that I had any like Native American culture or anything until I was older and I found out about my mom and everything Mm -hmm. and even though like and it was similar on my dad's side how like my great-grandma Ona was Osage or whatever she had lost her papers so nobody else ever enlisted on the rolls for that tribe Mm -hmm. um like years ago I guess because I had asked about it when I was a teenager Mm -hmm. and I never really explored it on that side I didn't know if she was just like half or whatever but Mm -hmm. It was something that was never really talked about. So I definitely explored that after I found out about my mom and like found out more information. And I applied. Well, I only recently applied with all the information that I needed to the tribe like last Mm -hmm. year, but it takes a long time for that stuff to go through. I like submitted her Mm -hmm. identification card and everything and my birth certificate to them. But especially because of COVID, like everything is like pushed back. Anyway, I would say like I would do it if you have... I just don't have any of those things. So, like, we literally know nothing. Like, we don't, she didn't have any identification cards. She doesn't, like, my own grandmother did not even understand her nativeness. Like, she, she doesn't even, like, she wasn't raised, like, I don't exactly know that story. I think just knowing our history, we can imagine a lot of reasons why that might be the case. Right. And I wish I could have this conversation with her now. Um, My grandmother was one of the most precious people to me in my entire life. Um, But I wasn't, I wasn't old enough to have these conversations before she passed. And so um, 
our family literally, like I've asked, we have, um, we have like Facebook groups of like family ancestry and it doesn't ever go down her side. It, it's down a kind of different, a different path and, you know, asking them and like, so we just literally don't have any of that information for her. And so I think probably the only way that would be even remotely helpful is doing like the DNA to find our extended relatives that might know more information you would almost have to have like a a specific tribe anyway because the culture really varies so much from tribe to tribe for you to even look into that so I understand that too and for me part of it is like I don't want to explore Cherokee tradition and you not be and her not be Cherokee. Yeah. And I, and this is all very fresh. Like this isn't anything that I have any, like, I mean, well, I've thought about it for like 10 years, but, <laughs> but I don't have any good answers for it. It's something I actively like kind of struggle with a little bit because like, I, I want to understand her heritage. I want to be able to honor her in that way, but I also don't want to, um, do something that isn't mine to do you know like yeah it's just all very difficult because it's all messy because of colonization and and all of the things you know no, like yeah, I understand where you're coming ugh. from yes I, I would just say like don't me as a white like, lady yeah <laughs> showing up at the Cherokee nation just, <laughs> hello <laughs> like it ugh, it's just messy for me and I don't have any good answers um for what I can do just because we literally don't have any documentation or any information because that wasn't preserved. Um, right. And I hate that. And I could say a lot about that, but it is what it is. And I think the only real way to find out more is like doing a DNA ancestry thing. Not well, for the sometimes those that, aren't, yeah, sometimes those aren't for even the accurate. Links. Yeah. Sometimes those aren't even accurate for the way that like genetics work. Mm-hmm. Like let's, Let's say that, let's say my mom and my dad were both Native American, mm-hmm. and they had two children together. Yeah. If they're, if they're both half Native American, there is a chance that one of their kids could get the same amount of Native American DNA that both of them have combined still, while the other one only gets half. And I don't because mean of that. Half- DNA stuff I mean like will you do that DNA stuff and then it can tell you other people who've taken that test that you're related to oh so I would do it not to get those like blood quantum results because that's what that is but to get the people that I'm related to that I don't know who might have more information of her side of the family okay yeah that would make sense then I think that's the only way that I would find out more um, but I don't want to do those DNA tests because cops can use them to get people in your family arrested and really? that feels wrong to me. So yeah, you do a Google search on that at what you sign away to when you do those tests and um, I've never done one, but we were I originally won't do them. talking about why you are a Christian <laughs> and not anything else. <laughs> yes. That's the only thing we've discussed here. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I mean, I think it really came back to you asking if I would incorporate other, yeah, you know, belief systems and, and I'm not personally at that place, but I'm not against it for people. You have to think about too, we're such a, like a melting pot 
on a global mm-hmm. scale, though, because technically, like you said earlier, there's no white person in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, really, you're still appropriating, even though, oh, well, technically, you did grow up with a religion, so maybe that's not, like, appropriate. Yeah, that's where it's different for me. Okay. It's different for me in that, like, this is a tradition. I mean, because particularly American evangelicalism is very white, and it is set up to be white. Right. I have broken away from that. <laughs> um, but I still... Um, and I mean, I guess some people might say I'm appropriating Black Christianity. I don't see it that way. And I don't hear from other Black Christians that white people aren't allowed to. You, you, I'm not hearing from Black Christians the way that I hear from, say, Jewish people stop using our stuff whereas a lot of black christians are like listen to this education and live a better way (laughs) yeah no and i agree with that i mean i have a lot of um friends that i have worked with previously that still practice christianity and they happen to be people of color and they definitely have a more open theology but that that also comes down to like you were saying like a closed religion like judaism where Mm -hmm. these are people you're born into this religion whereas christianity is something where people are encouraged to convert Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so like people in black churches obviously they do talk about ways that that can get dangerous and i listen to that and i want to respect that like it's not my table that I'm inviting black Christians to you know what right. I mean like that can get into really appropriative space um but the black Christian teachers that I listen to are like yes white people listen to us join our table and listen to us <laughs> and find a better way to love people and so um yeah that is kind of where I'm at now where it's just like I, like you said earlier, I think it was Pascal's wager where it's like, well, what if you're wrong and the only God that exists actually is evil, this tyrannical monster, I would be like, well, it's a really good thing I did not worship that person. Like if it was actually true that I got to heaven (laughs) and everybody, because here's the reality of the situation. Every single person that I love most dearly who has died would be in hell if the evangelical God were really true yeah. and they have it all right. And I cannot fathom being in heaven and being like, this is love, love that they're all being tortured. Yeah. And there are some Christians who literally think that that's like part of heaven is like celebrating the people who are in hell. And like, I'm so uninterested in any of that. I would be like, can you send me to hell? please i can imagine you like a little like a little karen flip switch like yeah excuse me this isn't working i need to speak to the manager i need a i need a i need a real listen linda moment with god (laughs) and here's the deal this is not what i signed up for (laughs) and what do you think um, about reincarnation yeah i think it's cruel (laughs) You think it's cruel? <laughs> I think the fact that we're carnated to begin with is pretty cruel. <laughs> Much less a reincarnation. I well, I see, really I was... struggle with the fact that any god would choose to make people who have to live here. 
what if you got reincarnated to like a whole different universe or planet though like what if it's what if it's larger than like people think you get like reincarnated to a cow what if it's larger than that and it's like you get reincarnated into the multiverse into another universe that doesn't suck ass the risk of that is too great Okay. <laughs> I understand. I this is this is my I idea don't want to like, do with. this again. I don't want to. I no. I like, don't want to do this life again. Life is so hard, <laughs> and the fact that like I could be reincarnated and it could be worse is Man, you fucking insane. And I just I imagine. <sighs> let me set the scene for you, Paige. You are reincarnated on a planet where not only like the sunset, like you're reincarnated on a planet with rings. So you get to see like the rings in the sky and you have like two moons. Imagine. That's the place that I want to live and I have to believe that that's real. And I want to come back. If that that exists, I want to come back there. Stick with me. Okay. Isn't that kind of what my hope of heaven is? Reincarnation, but not shitty? Kind of, but but you would still be you. See, I wouldn't mind if I didn't remember this whole place and I was a totally mm. different person. Okay. Yeah. I'm just I mean, trying I honestly to don't know what we will remember. Exists. I don't, uh, yeah. For me, the risk is too high. Like, okay. I can't because ultimately we don't have a choice true and where or who or how we are reincarnated god i can't and one of the, can you imagine going somewhere worse <laughs> yeah like later like and i despite having a lot of like trauma and heartache and hard things that have happened without a doubt there are a thousand fold more opportunities for my life to be worse <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> in reincarnation. And so for me, um, like I even struggle with God existing and choosing for us to be here just because of the suffering. And so for me, I think the only way that I can reconcile that is that there is the hope of something better beyond this, that like, that all all people who choose to be a part of it. And I do think like, I don't believe in a coercive God. Mm. I literally don't believe in a God that is going to force anybody to do anything. Simply don't believe that. I don't know how all that works. I appreciate that belief. Actually. A lot of asterisks that, that I just have to kind of say, oh, I don't know. But what I do know is I do not believe in a coercive God. <laughs> I think this, this episode of this podcast has really been good to explain like where we both come from. Because, see, on the flip side of that, and now I'm not saying that I have all the answers or I do atheism the correct way. But I think yeah. on my end, the logical leaps that I've taken almost requires you to devolve into a place where, and I'm fully aware that I admit this, and this is like a downfall of the way that I view the world, is that nothing has any meaning if there's nothing Mm -hmm. if there's nothing beyond this then truth truly at the at the molecular level nothing even matters and you Mm -hmm. can't you can't make an argument that it does because Mm -hmm. all the all the 
I guess, meaning that you give anything is exactly what you give it. If there's no afterlife or there's no purpose, then every Hmm. single thing only means what someone gives it or what a society gives it or, you know what I'm saying, or what, like, a conscious being gives it. And it's similar Hmm. to, if you look at, like, the quantum physics, like, the double slit experiment, it's really interesting how that played out to where, um, like, there were different results whenever someone was observing it. And I think that's very true about the world, is if nobody's here to observe it and to give it purpose, it doesn't matter. And if that is true, I think that's what, like, logically, if you don't believe in an afterlife, that's what you have to devolve to. That even though personally, I don't want to be abused, so I don't abuse other people, at the end of the day, the abuse doesn't matter. Nor does the joy if you have great experiences. Nor does yeah. the hurt, nor does the pain. None of it matters. That's why I enjoy hearing from people like you who still have hope to believe in like something like that, something after death. I personally don't. And I don't see any evidence for it. Mm-hmm. And nobody's ever came back and said, Hey, this this is over here on the other side. So I literally like have nothing tangible to hold on about that. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I really have to look at it in like a nihilistic perspective, I feel. I think where I differ is that even when I don't believe that that anything happens after this, because I think that's a very distinct possibility. Like, I, I don't know any of this. I have a hope of a better existence. What, and I have no idea what that looks like for all people who want to be a part of it. I also think that even if that isn't true and if nothing happens, we still do have experiences here and people still do have, unless you believe that all of this is like some sort of disembodied mind trick, which I do know people who think that, but if you think that like people are real and we really do exist here and we really do have consciousness and feelings and emotions here, but then you just die and then your energy is you know, kind of redistributed in other things, which is a very oversimplified way of putting it. Um, But that means that even though there is no sort of eternal hope, that we are still real people who are having real experiences here. And while it doesn't add up into some sort of divine good or bad checklist that determines what happens after you die, like, I still think that how we treat other people matter in the sense that it matters to that person until they die. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that it only matters while everyone is still conscious. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if, if all that, if there was like a giant light switch in consciousness, everything just like flipped off, nothing that you did before during that time ultimately matters. My point is, And I don't know what this looks like. And I hope that there is some type of purpose for the universe that we live in. Whether Mm -hmm. or not it's just because I've had like, I workshop all of these ideas in my mind. And let's say your energy, let's say how you live your life develops some type of energy within your system, within the cells, you know, because we're all made up of energy. Whether that manifests like good or bad energy and that's redistributed, maybe that has some sort of purpose. So, like, I don't even know if that makes sense, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I very simplified, I think about it of, like, 
you die as somebody that has a lot of good energy and all of your good energy is like transported somewhere and it's used for something mm-hmm. like I don't I don't and it and it's better to have good energy than bad energy for some reason mm-hmm. I could see how there would be a purpose in that but if if all of this is just us being conscious then yeah it definitely matters how I treat you and how you treat me because we both don't want to murder each other so or we both mm-hmm. don't want to be murdered so we don't murder each mm-hmm. other that matters while we're alive but ultimately if there's no more purpose than that then this world has no purpose does mm-hmm. that make sense it does or am I, I think for me what i really struggle with in that and like going to that kind of conclusion for myself is that like i <laughs> i really struggle with the suffering of the world i think about it every day mm-hmm. and how there is such suffering here and everybody is like yeah but what about the joy and it's like but there are people who don't have joy right there are people whose entire existence is like a short suffering and they're dead is literal hell on earth and i think it's purpose enough to try and make those people's lives better even if nothing happens after that, like that is purpose to me. And it is really powerful purpose to me, especially if nothing happens after this. Because I think a lot of Christians take it as it doesn't matter what happens here because the chosen will get everlasting bliss. Right. Right. And then of course we just don't really think about the alternative, which I hate. And so For me, if nothing else happens after this, like, that makes this life even more meaningful to me. And that's how I want to live. I want to live as though nothing happens after this. I want to live as a person who, even if people who experience the literal worst that life has to offer, don't get something better after this, that I have done everything that I can to make life better for that person. Because it is all that they get I like that I like that perspective I think I might I might chew on that one for a while because I hadn't really I hadn't really considered that because well and and to a degree I have because there's almost um was it Stephen Hawking who said it something along the lines of the life that we have manifested and you know he was an atheist or at least Mm -hmm. an agnostic Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like winning a lottery. Like we get to experience this and this is quote unquote heaven or you, whatever. It's like the manifestation mm-hmm. of com- consciousness. It is like winning a lottery. Like you get to play the game while you're here mm-hmm. basically. And I do like that perspective of this is actually the whole point, but mm-hmm. to me, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I need to look at it more like that because that's a more, like, positive take, I feel. I think that helps, like, ground you a little bit more and keep you here. I think for me, like, that is how I want to live my life. I live my life assuming there's nothing else, but with the distinct hope that there is. And it isn't even necessarily just for me. Like, it is for me, but more of how I think about it is just, like... This, like, this world is awful. Yeah. And I think anybody who says that it's not is extremely privileged. Right. And just doesn't even thinking about. 
profiting off of other people's suffering, which is even more yeah, Right. And then just thinking about like the lives that people live for people that we will never see. I'm not even talking about like, I mean, the world is awful enough for people who live in the same city and state and country as me. But right. we also live in a very privileged country, right? Yeah. So then like think about countries who like nobody in their country almost experiences what I experience on a daily basis. Like there's right. just there's so... still people that live in uh, North Korea. There's still people. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. There are like, yeah, I, I was in Beijing um, as a missionary, which I have so, I could talk for five hours about that. We'll just move right along as I have clearly changed my opinions since then. But like part of why that was important to me at the time is because I saw their suffering and wanted them because like I was seeing girls Mm -hmm. who were born at the time when it was very common for girls to get terminated because you have the one child rule yeah and they wanted that child to be a boy and so I have girls which, like, mathematically, when you think about it, it isn't going to work out for at least half of you. You know what I'm saying? In order so to, So, terminations like, were very high. Yeah. Like, orphanages were full of girls. Um, yeah, and I had heard they were, like, getting kicked out on the street. But what I'm saying is, like, practically, like, not everybody's going to get a boy if you want to continue. Literally. Yeah. Literally not. And so I'm sitting across the table from these girls who were like, yeah, my mom tried to abort me and it didn't work. And so I had to go live with my cousins outside of the city because my dad is a diplomat and he wasn't allowed, like, it would be known that he would have more than one kid. Like, you know what I mean? So these girls who are just, who are literally just telling story after story after story of how because they are women inside of that country they've experienced a trauma that I will never experience by knowing that they weren't wanted yeah, and being treated as though they like literally like, and these are, these people are in college. They come from wealthier families, mm-hmm. but they would literally like talk to me about how their families let them know what a burden they were. Oh, wow. Their whole lives simply because they're girls. And so then, like, hearing that, I'm just, like, I want these people, because, of course, I was an evangelical then. Like, I'm, like, I want them to participate in this better thing later. Like, for me, it was a, I see their suffering. It's horrible. And I know of a way that for literal eternity, they cannot have suffering. And I want them to not have suffering. And so that was my like twisted evangelical way of like reducing suffering in the world, which I now understand was totally misguided and not, you you know, all the things that we could talk about, but it really was for me that like, there are people whose lives are infinitely worse than I can ever imagine every single day. Yeah. And I want them to experience something better, even if it's not here and now the biggest shift for me is that I actually think that reducing suffering here and now is more important <laughs> than the right. hope of reducing suffering. Then in like an evangelical come. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Where the evangelical perspective is it's good to suffer here. 
we yeah. encouraging we encourage suffering here which is, which is taking all of these verses that are just talking about the reality of suffering in the world and saying we should cause suffering. like that's a big jump to just go from like acknowledging the suffering that does exist and then to like use verses that say well the poor will always be with you as a way to say so we shouldn't help poor people like are you fucking kidding me right mm-hmm. miss me with that too friends like i just can't even <laughs> hear that from people and i do like people quote that on like tiktoks or facebooks or like you know whatever they'll send me a message and like what about the verse where jesus says the poor will always be with you and it's like I think that's really interesting how you think that that means that we shouldn't help poor people and that we should just keep poor people being poor instead of hearing that as your community is so flourishing and life-giving and reversing the roles of oppression that poor people are always going to cling to you because you are helping them get out of that oppression. Right. Mm, That's a choice that you're choosing for interpretation and I'm just not here for it. But they see it as like the only option. (laughs) The only option is that we just shouldn't help poor people because we will always have to have poor people. And it's like, yeah, it's it's like the steam just like releases from my ears and a whistle. I just can't comprehend things anymore. Well, and Um, whoever that's meant for though (laughs) is somebody who. And I'm not saying, like, particularly you, but somebody that has that disposition, who that is meant for for their life is somebody that wants to help poor people. Mm -hmm. So it's probably good that they're not helping poor people because they definitely shouldn't if they're treating them badly because they're poor. Yeah. I don't know. Just using it to justify that, though. I agree with you. I think that those people are not going to care for the poor regardless of their reasoning, right? I so, think- like, these people are pulling out a Bible verse, but other people would just be Jeff Bezos, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, and I, I just have, like, a very different, like, I don't know if this is, like, different, but I have a perspective on life of, like, you should only help the people that you want to help because yeah, I have been in a position where I've needed help from people, mm. and sometimes the people that have helped me have been people that, are resentful of helping me. And so Mm -hmm. I would much rather you not do that because that really can affect somebody psychologically if they're going through those systems and they're being given half-assed help from people that really don't give a fuck about them. If you're somewhere where where you're supposed to help somebody, you better damn sure have like a conviction for that. Yeah. Or the help that they receive is going to be shitty. I don't mean to say that so that I like people who don't want to help people should help people. Yeah. My problem with that is that they're using a text that I think is meant for no, liberation I what, to oppress. I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I just want to be clear. I don't think that you should help somebody if you don't want to help them. <laughs> yeah. No, Please I'm, don't do that. It doesn't actually help. It just makes people feel shitty. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think that that type of verse wasn't meant for them. If they're I agree that way. Anyways. Yeah. It does say a lot about them. I say that yeah. all the time. How you're choosing to interpret this says a lot more about you than it does about the text or it, that it says about me. Right. Because you do choose to interpret things. And I think that that is a thing that evangelicals ignore. They just say that they don't have, like, they're, they don't acknowledge a choice in interpretation. Even I though always choose this is a, a more loving interpretation. And this is another thing that I like about you and your theology as well, is because... They are making a choice when they do interpret, 
but they don't acknowledge that they're making a choice and it's like the cognitive dissonance that goes on infuriating yeah and that's the biggest thing that I say to a lot of evangelicals because I used to be one right am not anymore and I still I don't think this is for everybody I wouldn't I wouldn't tell anybody else to do this but for me I still have a lot of conversations with people that I believe very different things from because I changed, right? Like somebody had to thoughtfully engage me, whether in conversation or by book or by podcast or by sermon, that they like put out effort and I listened and my life is different because those people did those things. Right. And so I still try and like engage with those kinds of people who are willing to have good faith conversations. If they're not gonna have a good faith conversation, then I won't have that. Um, but whether it's like on TikTok or on Facebook or on Instagram or in real life with real people, messaging, texting, whatever, I have a lot of conversations with people. And one of the biggest things that I try and get them to understand first is exactly that. You are choosing an interpretation. Right. You may think it's right. You know, like you don't even have to be at a place yet where you think that other valid interpretations exist. But I need you to at least understand that you are making an interpretive choice. Even if you think it's a choice between your correct theology and other theologies which are incorrect. Right. That first place has to be that you're making a choice. Because if you continue to just think that everything that you believe, you don't have any choice in believing, you're not going to get anywhere new. You're not going to advance because you're stuck within a very specific set of beliefs that you literally can't go outside of, else you'll be forced to hell. (laughs) And that, like, you, you just can't have a conversation with somebody like that. Right. Which is why I'm glad that we're able to have conversations like these. Because I think we both acknowledge that we don't even know if anything that we believe is true. Yeah. And that we've made the choices to get to where we are. Yeah. I agree. I think that that is the key to having conversations with people that are different than you is that, like, we have that humility to say, like, I have no idea, but this is what seems true to me. And I'm totally fine with people doing that. And coming to very vastly different convictions than I have, you know, like, okay, isn't that kind of what we're all doing? I just want you to be honest about it. I'm not trying to change anybody's beliefs. I am trying to help people understand what they're not being honest about. I feel that. (laughs) I believe what you want to believe, but... (laughs) I think, that this, I think that this was a really good introductory conversation for the future conversations that we will have. I agree. And I think that it definitely, hopefully, like, if anybody is listening, because I'm going to be really honest, Paige, I'm glad that you agreed to do this. But so far, I've had, like, maybe seven listeners total. <laughs> if anyone does listen, I hope it kind of, like, has helped you see where we're coming from. And I don't know if Paige wants to be on every episode of this podcast that I'm doing, but I definitely hope that she will come back. Will you? I will definitely come back. Okay. And this is a good foundation for where we come from when we talk about Mm -hmm. different subjects. 
Yeah. A nice little buffet. <laughs> a buffet of introduction. Because we only we only talked about the one topic, right? And we didn't yeah. go off on any tangents at all. <laughs> Never. Not even once. <laughs> We've not once done that ever. I don't no. think so. That's good whenever to we set have, that Whenever Paige and I have conversations, it's always straight to the point and on the money. Every <laughs> And we like talk about some deep shit too. (laughs) This hasn't even really scratched the surface of some of the stuff we've ended up talking about in our, in our personal lives, but yeah. And I'm um, glad that you can even keep up with me because sometimes I can't even articulate what I want to say. So I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we've had a lot of these conversations. I mean, we definitely talked about some things today that I don't think we have discussed necessarily. So that was really fun. It's not like we've just this conversation wasn't just like a regurgitation of things we've already talked about, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to come back. Um, I'm excited for um, just, I know like some of the stuff you want to do is like deep dives on, you know, people or, or things or ideas or interviews or whatever. So I'm here yeah, for we're it. Not just, yeah, we're not just going to talk about um, religion. I yeah. think this is just good for like introducing Paige to people if anybody does want to listen. But we have a wide range, wide variety range of mm-hmm. people, places, and things that we would love to yes. discuss together. Um, I really enjoyed having you on, and I love you so much, Paige. And you have a good night. I'm about to go to the bathroom, and I think I'm going go to go to the store. Ooh, <laughs> fun! I have to go to Target to do a pickup, so I'm going right. to do that. <laughs> okay, have a good night. Thank have you. a good one. Bye. Bye.